T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. Welcome in, Brian Mazrowski here with you on WBEM for the next hour or so. Hope everyone's having a nice Tuesday and uh, happy to be here with you. Uh, a lot of things going on. Uh, well, and we're going to touch on a lot of things during the show today. One of the things I like to do during the show is to try and figure out just what the heck is going on. <laughs> and that's uh, what we're going to start with, what we're going to do over a few things. I, there's so much out there, right? Online, on your TV, just uh, on your radio. I, just there's so much out there. There's so much being said about what often are very kind of a simple topics that it becomes really hard to just get a straight answer of what is this. And, you know, one of these things is the state push for uh, getting rid of gas appliances, going all electric by 2030. And we're going to be talking about that uh, next hearing, what the governor has to say. But before that, I want to go with a piece of news that came out yesterday about COVID vaccines and what the FDA is hoping for in the future. Yesterday, the FDA uh, having a meeting of scientists and doctors, uh, or excuse me, that's called for Thursday, to brainstorm how to go forward with COVID. And the one big idea that will be discussed later this week is to have an annual COVID shot. So what exactly does that mean? We turn to uh, some of the people who know what they're talking about. Dr. Amish Adalja is joining us right now, infectious disease doctor who's joined us many times on this program to help us sort through some of these things. Now, Dr. Adalja, people heard this yesterday. They saw the headline. And then everyone starts to go kind of crazy (laughs) right? when they see this. Well, we're going to make an annual COVID shot. Um, It's going to be like the flu vaccine. We're going to have a new one every single year for everybody to get. And I think part of the problem here is so many people have been uh, in their minds. They have the idea of a mandate. Like COVID and mandate, those two words and phrases go hand in hand um, for a lot of people just based on what happened from 2020 to, you know, early 2022. But when we're talking about this idea from the FDA that's going to be discussed in depth later this week, what exactly are they going for? What they're trying to do is understand what the best policy will be going forward with COVID-19 vaccines what interval people may need them, if that's different for different people in different risk groups, what, how they deal with strain changes, if they have to update the vaccine, 
All of that's going to be part of this discussion. It's, it's really about trying to understand what the best policy should be going forward and what the important questions are, and if there's enough information to be able to set a policy like that, similar to flu vaccines, or if something different is needed. So hopefully there's robust debate there, and this isn't something that they're just kind of rubber stamping, because there are some medical questions about what the best way is to, to deal with COVID vaccination going forward. How are they dealing with it now? I mean, what is the strategy or the policy now? Because I think, you know, for as much as vaccine was on the top of everyone's mind a couple of years ago, uh, a lot of people have just said, I, you know, whatever, I'm, I'm kind of out, I'm done. Uh, there's booster this, booster that, and I'm, I'm good where I stand right now. What is the current policy if there is one? Right now, the current policy is basically to have everybody up to date with the original vaccine and then uh, a bivalent booster um, that's eligible for that. And that's basically where the policy stands. But um, what we know that there's going to be waning of immunity from those bivalent boosters. Some high risk people are going to need additional vaccination. There's going to be changes in the virus itself that may make vaccines less effective than they already are at blocking transmission. So that's what they're sort of looking forward to, trying to understand what happens in a year from now, two years from now. Do you have guidance for companies that are involved in the COVID vaccine space about how to update their strains, what type of regulatory requirements are going to be needed, what types of studies are going to be needed to do a strain change? All of that's kind of part of the discussion. But what I hope will be part of the discussion is that it's not one size fits all that we actually take risk into account, especially with these first-generation vaccines. Because you can imagine somebody who's had a bone marrow transplant or somebody who's had a lung transplant, they may need much more frequent boosting than somebody who maybe is high-risk because they have type 2 diabetes but is up-to-date. There's differences even within that high-risk group. And then there's another group of people, the healthy healthy younger individuals, who probably are okay when it comes to protection against severe disease with just the original vaccine. Um, the other thing that they may be thinking about is how if they if they're going to scrap the original vaccine and just make everything BA4 BA5 Omicron um, because right now the current for the primary series if you're never vaccinated would still be the original ancestral strain which is gone. Yeah, it's weird when you look at the vaccines. Um, these mRNA vaccines are like tailored to strains that you know it's good for um, you know a couple months maybe and then. Uh, you know, it seems like it just kind of wears off, uh, in, at least in terms of preventing infection. Um, we know that, but also maybe in terms of preventing symptomatic infection, too. A lot of people have been waiting for because there were a lot of questions of this, you know, new to and uh, right. New is subjective. Depends on who you're talking to. You might not look at it as new. Uh, the general public was looking at the mRNA technology as new and saying, I don't know if I'm comfortable with that. And we like seem to drop off in developing a quote-unquote traditional COVID vaccine. Is that out there right now? And is that what we're talking about when it comes to this annual COVID shot that the FDA is thinking of? It's completely false that we dropped off of making a non-mRNA shot. You can remember that there's a Johnson & Johnson shot. That's a single dose. That is a non-mRNA vaccine. There's a Novavax vaccine that's also available. 
non-mRNA. Uh, the, the Novavax is probably closest to what will be called a traditional vaccine. So that's completely false that there are no other alternatives out there. And the fact is, all those people who said they wouldn't get an mRNA vaccine, they didn't line up to get the Novavax vaccine either um, when it became available. So I, I think that's a little bit, some of it is a little bit disingenuous. I, I, in, says, well, in the people, sorry to interrupt you, but in the people's defense, I, uh, I think a lot of people are listening to this and they had no idea that there was a Novavax vaccine even made. It got like no publicity. I think it, it took some time for it to come out. And, and by that time, a lot of the there, maybe about 35% of the U.S. population is not vaccinated. And, and Novavax is approved for 18 and above. Uh, you can go get that vaccine. And that is a non-mRNA vaccine. And it will benefit you. So it's not as if those were dropped off. And remember, the J&J vaccine was out for quite a long time uh, as well. And you didn't see that same uh, and people didn't, uh, you know, glom onto it uh, because it was a non-mRNA. And I think most people understood that there was a J&J vaccine because they, they knew about the one-shot version that was available. So I think that there was, you know, some people, there may have been, and, and for those people who did get Novavax, who did get Johnson & Johnson, I think that, that's great. But we did have other options, and there are going to be more options. And it's important to remember that the mRNA vaccines are completely remarkable in the fact that even directed against the old strain of this virus that's extinct basically now, the vaccines still hold up at preventing what matters, serious illness, hospitalization, and death. So I don't think that there's been kind of any fault with the mRNA vaccines. And for people who've worked in pandemic preparedness for a while, I've worked in it since 2008, mRNA vaccines were something we were clamoring for at least for, for 10 years or so before, before this pandemic because of the promise that they had, because we knew they would be fast, because we knew that they would be able to be tailored very quickly and it would decrease the lead time you needed to make a vaccine. We used to, you know, if you watch the movie Contagion, we used to think it was kind of a farcical thing that by the time the credits roll, there's a vaccine. But that actually happens now with mRNA vaccines. And it also happened with the J&J vaccine, which uses a, a, a different virus to deliver to deliver the spike protein of COVID. <clears throat> so there's been a great revolution in technology. And everybody talks about these. It's like it's a bug. It was made too fast. It's actually a feature. This is like a good thing. This is that things are made that, that you can do this that fast, that, we, that medicine and science advance so quickly that we can have a vaccine that fast and into people's arms. That, that's almost like miraculous. Like people in the dark ages or even people in the early dawn of the vaccine era would say, that's incredible that you did that. But again, but then that, that's actually looked at as a, as a defect. Or, and I think that's the whole problem with our society, that, that, that the speed of the vaccine is its value, not its drawback. When it comes to the news yesterday, the way I read this, and tell me if I'm wrong, is that the, the idea that the FDA is looking at is the COVID shot would turn into something extremely similar to the flu shot, which is there's a new one that comes out every single year. Uh, a lot of people get it every year. Some people don't. Um, you know, uh, you're encouraged to get it, but you don't have to. It's there. It's available. It's updated. And it hopefully uh, helps you out if you run into this virus. Is that what's really going on here? I mean, that, that's the hope. But I don't know that we have that type of data for these COVID vaccines because it doesn't appear that, as you mentioned, that the vaccines are able to block transmission very well, and in, in that there's much value to health, young, healthy people being continually boosted to block mild disease, at least with these first-generation vaccines. That might be different down the road if we get a universal vaccine or a nasal vaccine. <clears throat> what, so I think what I, that's, that's, what some, that's what the FDA is aiming for, something very similar to the framework for flu. But I think there are some differences. These are different viruses, different vi vaccine, te <clears throat> vaccine technologies. <clears throat> so, that, so I don't think you can directly extrapolate from flu to COVID. And again, I think what would be better is if in this meeting they talk about risk-based 
decision making, not one size fits all, saying this person is in this risk group, that means they get boosted at this frequency. This person is in this risk group, they get they don't need boosters. Again, something like that, where we're kind of targeting it towards people's risk risk. The way we do with flu, we even do that with flu vaccines. For example, if you're if it's your first flu vaccine, you get two doses when you're a child. If you're above 65, you get you get one of the special formulations for older adults. I think that's what we sort of need to get to, not just one size fits all. And we'll see. There's a lot of people on the committee for the FDA that have really strong opinions on this, and hopefully there'll be a robust discussion. And, and it is something that we that, that's really evidence-based and not just kind of checking the box and just making it easy for, for everybody to have it like flu, because I don't necessarily think that's the, the best option. All right. Well, hey, uh, we appreciate the time this morning and uh, you taking some time out to help fill us in. Dr. Amish Adalja joining us live, infectious disease expert about uh, what exactly is behind the news. Because I think that is the the problem here, right? That headline is out there yesterday. And what pops into most people's minds? like that? And by the way, this is like the toughest part about talking to doctors <laughs> is to like bridge that gap and getting them to realize what people are thinking when some of these headlines come out. So a couple key points from Dr. Dalja right there. He Talking about the current vaccines and, and the way that this really should read, what people think when they see the headline is, all right, oh, yearly COVID vaccine. Oh, they're going to get me, uh, make me do another COVID vaccine. I'm going to have to get a COVID shot every year and then show my updated cell phone app just to get into the Bills game. Right, like, isn't that the fear? Isn't that what people are thinking when they see the headline initially? But that's not the case. The case is what everyone was hoping for at the beginning of the pandemic, that you develop something that's similar to the flu shot. It's available for you every year. And how many people get the flu shot? What is it, like 50%? Get it, don't, it's your choice. Um, But the doctor saying right there that, There's not hope for that just yet, at least in his eyes. Because what you currently have doesn't impact transmission. You can can get the vaccine, still spread it. Not there with these vaccines yet. So he's hoping the FDA, what they talk about later this week, what he's hoping the conversation that they're having on Thursday is – to end this sort of one-size-fits-all approach where you're boosting everyone all the time and instead say, hey, there's some people who actually need this and a lot of people who don't. And we'll see what happens on Thursday. But coming to the bottom of what is at the headline. You know, the headline goes out, people are thinking one thing, what is actually happening? There's a lot of noise out there. So what is actually happening? We're having a similar problem trying to figure out what is actually happening when it comes to New York State and this push to go all electric. Now, we uh, were just hearing from, before the show began, if you were with us before 9 o'clock, Gary Marchiori, if you didn't listen to our conversation with him yesterday, he's president of Energy Mark. Uh, He talked about what it means... um, his understanding of the push to all electric and realistically what that looks like for consumers, for businesses and everybody else. Interesting conversation. It's available 
in the podcast tab, WBEN.com. The answers that we're getting are, I think, not great. And it's, again, I've said this a bunch of times on the show, I like to go into a conversation, and when I hear people talk, my approach is generally to take them or take their words at their best possible meaning to think that they're speaking earnestly right to think that they're not trying to i hate using the term but it kind of does apply in this one to think that they're not, you know, quote unquote, gaslighting you, overused, but it might apply here. And, and to really, you know, kind of take people at their word that they are, they do mean what they say. It's very hard to do that when it comes to the state's natural gas push with one thing in particular. Now, the governor over the weekend was in Buffalo, and we're going to hear from some of her comments after the break. But she kind of echoed this, you know, the latest thing. People have, uh, all right, they put out the push, like, this is what we're planning on doing. New builds, no gas appliances or gas heating after 2025. Uh, We're ending the sale of new gas stoves. Gas appliances, washer, dryer, well, not washer, gas washer would be weird, a dryer, your furnace, all of that in 2030. And the pushback, right, is obvious. And the response to the pushback has been, well, listen, no one's coming to take your stove out of your house. And, all right, technically that's true. But it's also deflecting from the real concern. So there's been two things. There's no one's coming to take the stove out of your house. And then there's also, and we'll hear the governor after the break say this. This is a gradual shift. This doesn't happen all at once. Nobody's taking your appliances out of your house. You're not forced to all of a sudden make a change. But that's not entirely true given my understanding of what the state wants to implement. After 2030, the expense on a homeowner, if your furnace goes, would be unbelievable. And it would happen all at once. So what they're saying can't be true. How are you making sense of it? We're going to try to get to the bottom of it. I'll be back. We'll be hearing from the governor. And I want to hear from you, 803-0930. Brian Masrowski here on WBEN. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. 
minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseballs and boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseballs and boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. Brian Mazeroski back here with you on WBEN. Thanks for hanging out with me. Um, where we're trying to, I speaking of getting to the bottom of things, you know, we're trying to make sense of a lot of things. I finally got to the bottom of this. I thought I was either going crazy, or had a serious health problem, or then I thought they actually cleaned this place. Um, I for like on two weeks, one day a week, I had this like smell of ammonia as I'm walking in here. I'm like, there's something in this studio. Or at my desk, I can't figure out what it is. I finally got to the bottom of it late last week. I'm like, like, is there something wrong with me? I'm looking up WebMD to think of like what it could possibly be. It's my pants. It's my jeans. Brand new jeans. Off the shelf, in the store. They smell like cleaner. I don't know why. But it's 100% my jeans. I figured it out. I was at the gym. I took off my pants. I'm, you know, rolling it up, putting it in my bag in the locker room. And, you know, as I pick it up near my face and go to put it in the locker, I get the whiff of it. I'm like, oh my goodness! I would, I thought I was going crazy for two straight weeks. It's my pants. Why is that? Why would a new pair of Levi's smell like cleaner? It's like some. Oh, I mean, they are. You know, we were talking about COVID. They are like San Francisco, just like somebody there. Spraying the whole thing down with whatever. Wiping off all the virus off your jeans or something like that. I can't figure out. But I might have to go against my, you know, usually not washing jeans for a solid couple of years. <laughs> Just to get this smell out. I, I, I thought I was going crazy. Anyways, uh, we're getting to the bottom of, uh, and thank you to, again, uh, to Dr. Adalja, who joined us in the first segment. Uh, and... On the state's push toward all electric, what sense do you make of it? And who is not being truthful? Like, who is, like, stretching what you can say, right? Uh, Here's Governor Hochul in Buffalo talking about this issue, uh, banning gas appliances over the weekend. We need to make sure that we're doing things in a smart way. And again, power goes out uh, regardless. And what we're talking about is positioning ourselves so we can handle the storm events. I mean, these are all effects of climate change. We have to have the reality check. 
So I know there's criticism of saying that we are going to transition someday to uh, from fossil fuel generated power, but no one is taking anyone's gas stove. I, I had to pause it right there because, I mean, a few things just in quick succession. There's the, you know, someday, someday transition away. I mean, nothing's finalized. There hasn't been a bill put forward yet. But, like, someday, there is a date on this proposal, 2025 and 2030. So, like, the someday is, or maybe they're open to pushing back that date, and that's why they say someday. But there is a date on the proposal. The talk about climate change, I mean, again, okay, you are going to have a hard time to insinuate. This is talking about uh, the blizzard. Um, this was at a press conference, an event, all on the blizzard. To insinuate that everybody's stove played a role in the blizzard, I, it's a bit of a stretch to me. And then uh, nobody's coming to take away your gas stove. All right, that's true. But there's other important things. They're not being shut down. They're going to continue for sale. So there's also a lot of um, hyperbole and uh, exaggeration around what's being proposed. But it also focuses on New York State as part of being a leader to make sure that we can handle these storms in the present, but also averting them in the future. That's what our plan is to make sure that we protect our environment. And there's a lot of smart ways to do that. So we're going to continue on that path. But always step back and make sure we're doing the right thing for New Yorkers. Those dates, the 2025, they don't have to buy something new at that time. I think there's, again, people are saying, well, building new homes is what we're looking for, yes. Okay, th- this is the part that I really wanted to get to. The governor was asked, you know, the date. Are you firm on the date? 2025 is the date. And she basically said, yeah, that, you know, we're firm on the date of 2025. But you don't have to make the switch unless you're building a new home. Then, you know, new homes in 2025 would have to go. I mean, here, listen again. They, they don't have to buy something new at that time. I think there's, again, people are saying, well, building new homes is what we're looking for. Yes. Yes. And in 2030? Yes. 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 Anybody else have a question? Yeah. I was just All right. Yeah. We don't want to address that anymore. Anybody else have a question? 2030 firm, right? So the before you heard in the future, you know, vague on the date. When you're actually asked about the 2030 date, yes, we're going with it. And then that part, people, you don't have to make the switch all at once. But there's the biggest point that I have a criticism about. You do. If your furnace goes in 2030 or 2031 or 2032 or 2033, anytime after that date, you do. You do have to make that switch. You would not be able to replace your gas furnace, and that's really what I'm talking about here. I, the stove, I have a gas stove, I have a gas dryer, I have gas running, I have a gas everything. I would prefer a gas stove. I like a gas stove. It's easier to cook. You can cook when the power's out. You can, um, it's just, it, it, 
I like it better. I, to me, at the end of the day, the, you know, oh, we're not going to sell gas ranges anymore. It's all going to be electric. I, whatever. <laughs> right? Like, whatever. The next stove I, I have to buy, and I'll buy one before 2030 maybe. And then the next stove I have to buy will be electric. I I hate it, but Whatever. And, and I'm only saying whatever to that because it's almost like the stove thing is masking like the big major issue that every homeowner is going to have. And that's your furnace and how you heat your home once that goes after 2030. That is the big issue. Like the stove thing is it's annoying. You cannot like it. It's, it is an issue in and of itself. I don't like to focus on that because it is masking the big issue. How you heat your home would have to change. They, they don't have to buy something new at that time. I think there's, again, people are saying, that, well, building new homes is what we're looking for. Yes, yes. You don't have to buy something new at that time in, in 2025. I, from my understanding of this, from everything that's come out from the state, after 2030, your furnace goes. You need to find a way to heat your home now using all electric. And yes, that is an expense that is going to hit you all at once after 2030. There's nothing gradual about that. Unless somebody can clearly tell me otherwise, and that hasn't happened yet. 803-0930, we'll uh, go to the phones. We'll start with Frank. Thanks for waiting, uh, Frank, in Orchard Park. I, what do you think back. about that? I, what? Why are we not being clear about this? I mean, 2030, your furnace, like those are the two things I think everybody should be focused on. And they, they dance around the question on that all the time. Like you said, she ignored it and went, went to another question. Um, I, I don't get it. We, we just don't. I mean, after this storm and how people died because they froze to death in their cars and in their homes, how do you, how do you even think about going to electric? I mean, a storm like that, if that ever came by again, that, that the death toll would be astronomical. I, I just... I, um, I I know, Frank, that that should be, especially because this was a Q&A session after a press event focused on the blizzard. Like You would think that would be top of mind. To me, it's like the number one big thing and why I'm so shocked that this is going forward and you have politicians championing this is because 90% of homeowners in this area and like well over 80% across the state would have to, in 2030, incur an a huge expense that they wouldn't have had to before if this goes through. What, what it's going to cause is it's going to cause a lot of people to go into either bankruptcy or foreclosure. A lot of people are just going to hand their keys in and they're going to move. Yeah, but, I, I just can't say uh, we, we moved back here to help my mother from Hawaii. And I'll, I'll be honest with you. We're going back. It's a matter of time and planning, but we're going back. I don't, it, it's a liberal state. But I don't have to worry about this. Frank, Frank, thanks for the call. You don't have to explain to anybody why you want to go back to live in Hawaii. Yeah. (laughs) I'm so stunned. He wants to go back to Hawaii? You'd rather live on the beach than deal with the three inches of snow? (laughs) 
<laughs> I don't. Hey, you can you can have an all electric whatever. I, you live in a car in Hawaii. I think you'd rather live there. Go uh, to Jack in Buffalo. Jack, you're on WBen. I is that? Am I missing the point here, or is that the point? Twenty thirty in your furnace. Everything else is just noise. Well, one thing I can tell you, she also mentioned putting in air-to-air heat pumps. Down south, those systems are great. Up here, they're good till 30 degrees. What you have to install at that point is a backup system, which is typically electric heat. And to think you're going to actually combat or control the climate, my God, millions of years ago, you know, we have glaciers forming and melting. You can't control the climate. These people are out of their minds. They don't know how the energy system even works. I, Jack, thanks for the call. I do think that is going to be even the most well-intentioned of us, the most climate-concerned of us. And I do think it is a noble cause. To, I mean, you want to be you, – you've only got one planet. Everything they've said on Earth Day from grade school to now is true. You've only got one planet. you got to take care of it. You want to stop dumping a bunch of junk into the air. Don't litter. Stop polluting the waters. Like, right, like all this is true. And, and I think, what, 99.9% of people are nodding their heads like, yeah, that's, I agree with that. When push comes to shove in 2030 and your furnace goes and somebody tells you, uh, that's going to be $15,000 at least because you can't have a gas furnace anymore. Well, why? Uh, well, it, this is the gas furnace that's polluting the earth. That's when people are going to start to ask questions and push back. Like, well, is it? Is it really? I, I kind of find that hard to believe. Like this, my house created the smog over there are you sure it's not i mean the sky in hamilton's on fire every night are you sure it's not them bill in buffalo you're on wben i yeah am i am i missing the point or is that the point you know that 2030 in your furnace to me is like the point that everyone seems to kind of dodge it doesn't get enough attention no you're absolutely right uh question for you do you know where electricity comes from? I mean, when they speak about the grid, everybody's pointing at the wires on the poles. The wires on the poles are just a means of transmitting electricity to you. But the question is this, where does electricity come from and how is it made? You have to ask that question to your politicians. And when they stammer and stutter because they do not know, then at that point you realize that they're totally incompetent because they don't know what they're talking about. You know, Bill, thanks for the call. And I think it's easy to field that question here when you have, like, the greatest source of clean electric energy in the Niagara River, right? Like, right there in your backyard. But that is not going to power the world. Like, that, the state is still now going to get power. It's the old, right, extending the tailpipe when you talk about electric cars. Which, by the way, I drove to work all electric today. I love it. I I love it for a lot of reasons. Not on my list is that I think I'm saving the planet. I do like when people drive electric cars in my neighborhood because if I'm out running, 
there's no exhaust from it. And, you know, every once in a while you get one of those, and you're running around. It definitely, you got to wave your hand in front of your face. It's not great to inhale. But I, I'm not kidding myself into thinking that I'm, like, saving the planet. I've got a battery, you know, mined from some horrible place. And, you know, like, there's nothing about it. You can feel good about one thing and feel terrible about everything else. The energy that I use to fill the battery is coming from somewhere else. Maybe it's a coal plant. Right? Like, there's reasons to like the technology. I, I'm still struggling to, you know, put saving the planet as the top reason on this. Uh, David, over in Lockport, uh, not, not too far from uh, some of the water there. David, what's going on? Yeah, the... The, the battle as to whether global warming is happening or not has been lost. So now, now we're dealing with people who believe it because it's a religion. But I, what I wanted to tell you, in seven years, say your, your gas furnace breaks down. You call a contractor. You're not going to be alone, okay? So the contractor won't be able to send a guy to get the gas furnace burning again. They're going to have to arrange, if it's available, to get a new electric furnace installed with new super, my house was built with electric back in 74. People got rid of it many years ago. They're going to have to come here with a new furnace, new wiring. They're going to have to put at least a 100-amp new panel in your house to handle the current. So your house, by the time they get heat turned back on in the middle of a storm, if you can get somebody working on it, will probably be five days. In the meantime, your basement's going to be a damn swimming pool from frozen pipes. This won't work. It's not designed to work, okay? Anybody who knows anything about science knows it's not designed to work. David, thanks for the call. I, I, your first point on the whole climate, I don't ever like using climate change, global warming. They've become just too politically charged. I just like to say, it is nice to be good to the environment. And everyone can kind of get behind that. Don't litter, don't pollute, don't, you know, big smokestacks are probably bad. You know, all this type of thing, we can all get behind. We understand, right, the dangers of pollution. It just, it just makes it a smoggy, gross place. We're all behind that. A good job has not been done of telling me how this switch is going to help that at all uh chris jacobs is on the line with us uh, hearing the conversation wanting to push back chris i i feel like everybody who is speaking out on this uh, the gas stove it's it's almost like a distraction 2030 your furnace the price tag i, I mean those three things i would think would make this dead on arrival anywhere yeah uh thank you for covering this again brian i i was listening uh and your instinct is, is right as far as uh, when you were running some tape of Governor Hochul on the deflection. Um, I was in the state Senate when this law was passed in 2019. And uh, it is my belief, my recollection, those dates of uh, 2025 for new builds and 2030 for existing homes having to convert are in the legislation. Uh, the legislation also created this Climate Action Council or whatever it was called, which was, you know, uh, this unelected body that was charged with more scoping out how this would happen. Uh, but uh, when she's saying you don't have to do it, you know, 2030, 
well, she's playing games. I mean, yes, if you have an existing, but if at, 20, uh, you know, January, whatever, 2030, your furnace kicks, you are obligated to convert your house to electric. So, you know, that's really significant. And uh, just keep this in mind. Maybe your furnace it, it lasts forever. But if you're looking to sell your house at 2029 and I'm looking to buy it mm-hmm. and your furnace is 10 years old, I'm going to say, Look, the furnace looks good, but you know it could kick tomorrow. So I'm going to lop thirty grand off the price because I'm going to have to kick, convert this whole house. I think so, Chris. Uh, we don't have that much time. Right. I, I just want to ask why. I mean, you're out of office right now. You spent plenty of time, uh, you know, lobbying, campaigning. Why is that not on a flyer in everyone's mailbox? I, I mean, if if you really want to mount a pushback on this on a state level, on whatever level. Just that right there. In 2030, if your furnace goes, it is going to cost between X and X when it would have cost between X and X thanks to this law. I, You know, as this point is well taken. They passed the law, then they created this commission, and it kind of went dormant for a while, and then it pops out. This is the way they do things in Albany. They keep you complacent. Uh, we need to be very vocal on this, and I appreciate this station doing it more. We have to continue to get the word out. We are all pro going towards green, but it has to be in a responsible way. And I, if you talk to people who are working and trying to get new businesses to come to our state, we are the laughing stock on doing this. We have the lowest CO2 emissions in the country right now, yet we're going down this gangplank to kill ourselves. Let's be responsible. And this is not responsible governance. So I'm going to talk about it wherever I can as a citizen. And I just thank you for continuing to beat this drum. Hey, Chris, thank you. That's uh, Chris Jacobs, former congressman, uh, who called in there to talk about this. I Put it on a flyer. Like, like Put it clear as day. And, yes, we all do support going green. Call me Nader. I mean, we all like green. At the end of the day, you might not like, you know, who's saying the message. Like, we do all like green, but we also like the other green. Money in your pocket, $10,000. Tell me how green you're willing to be. Joe Beamer joining uh, me in here right now. What's coming up next, Joe? Oh, Brian, we're going to cover a lot of things, including this energy discussion. And what's the most ridiculous thing you spent money on? I'll explain. Yesterday or just? No, in, in all of life. I know someone who bought water from the final day of Splash Mountain. Oh, we were talking about that early this morning. Yes. Unbelievable. How much do they... Oh, I don't want to spoil your whole show. My new thing is, my most ridiculous thing might be these jeans that smell like ammonia that I'm still wearing. I'm going to wear the ammonia off of it. You're cleaning every surface. Every time you sit down, you clean the chair. Am I? <laughs> it's like, you know, I mean, it gives a little buffer. I'm free to do whatever I want. Um, you know, that's... Uh, <laughs> but I... Uh, this That might take the cake. Yesterday, I bought lunch for myself. I never, I make, I never buy lunch or right. like any meal just for myself. I just had a hankering for a burrito. And after the bill season, you know, diet starts Monday. You deserve a burrito. I just, I had to do one. Yeah. So that, that's my stupidest thing in the last twenty four hours. Burrito. You're very financially responsible. <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, Joe Beamer coming up next after the news on WBEN. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only twenty-five dollars a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile, get four iPhone 15s on us, and four lines for twenty-five bucks per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. 
Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. You'll be glad you did.